Hi, this is Pastor JC. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast here at Faith Outreach Church. We want to invite you anytime you're in the area to come by and visit us at 3001 Wallace Avenue here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Sit back and enjoy today's message. Now, I might start this tonight, but then we may take this on into Sunday and leave it in Sunday for a while. I want to talk to you. This is one. I, I don't know. I just enjoy teaching on this subject of sanctification. I guess it's because I've heard it for so long, taught the wrong way, and it just seems like there's such a um, misunderstanding about it because you have all kinds of religious ideas about it, and then you have the truth. And, and, and until you get the truth, it really just doesn't make any sense. And so I want to talk about this, uh, about sanctification, it's talking about why it's important to live a sanctified life, and then end it with talking about how to live a sanctified life. Amen. God wants us to, and it's very important that we do that. And, but uh, until you understand that what he has already done, it's impossible to live that life because it'll end up becoming a burden to you. It'll be a weight, and, it'll, and you'll just get a, a bad taste in your mouth. Amen? But anything God has for us is a blessing, right? Yeah. And so sanctification, sanctify, you're talking about being sanctified. Sometimes that doesn't carry a good, you know, a good taste in your mouth, but hopefully after we get done, it will. 1 Corinthians 1-2, it said, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. I always like that part, called to be saints. Hallelujah. Either you ain't or you are a saint. That's just where it comes to. Comes. And that word saint, a lot of times is translated uh, the church of God or the people of God. So we're talking about, um, you know, we're not talking about someone that who's been elected to be a saint or, you know, or look at their life and seeing if they're a saint. We're talking about those who, by the Bible definition, if you're born again, if you're in the family of God, you is a saint. Okay? You say, I am a saint. Hallelujah. And it's always fun just to even just tag out onto your name sometimes and with people. You know, St. Mary. Well, you know, you may have a little more issue with that with people because they may think you're trying to say that I'm Mother Mary. But the truth of it is that, that, that was the first thing when I got born again. I put in my Bible, I didn't even know the word, I just put St. James uh, because that was who I was. Amen. And I almost, almost took it out because after hearing other people talk about it, I didn't think I qualified. But I do qualified. And you qualified. Amen. We all qualify in Christ Jesus. So, so he says unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, I wonder if the faith outreach here in Terre Haute would qualify. If he was writing to us today, I wonder if he could write the same thing to us. Unto the church in Terre Haute, Indiana, to, the, to those that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. I wonder if we could have something similar, similar like that that would apply to us. I believe it would. 
I believe as Paul was penning it today and he was writing us a letter, I believe that's exactly what he would say to us. To the church, church of Terre Haute, those who are sanctified. Hallelujah. And we could all raise our hand with confidence. That'd be me. Amen. The sanctified ones, the saints of God. Hallelujah. That's who we are, the saints of God. And so, but the interesting thing about the church in Corinth, Corinth was one of the, the places where lasciviousness and, and sin and all of those things ran rampant. I mean, it was, I mean, it was the party of party towns, Corinth was. And it was not too much different, actually, in the church. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on in the church that had to be addressed and corrected. Because why? Because they just came, they just came out from the world. And, you know, when you come into the church, well, a lot of times you're going to carry that baggage in with you. And it's not going to be any different here either. You're going, to have, you're going to have people that are come in, get born again, and they're going, to have, they're going to be carrying some worldly baggage with them. Are you here? Amen. And so the only thing that's going to help them and get them to where you are today, where you're, no, you're sinless and, and you're walking, you know, upright and everything, well, it's going to take them time because look how long it took us to get where we're at. Amen. And so you don't want to just be pointing fingers and just, you know, correcting them, saying, now you need to quit doing this and you need to stop this. I remember um, right after we got saved and there was a gentleman in the church and he came up and asked the pastor, he said, would it be okay if we started square dancing in here? Because he wanted to bring square dancing because that's what they did, you know. And uh, well, you know, to him there wasn't nothing worldly or anything about that and it may not but I don't think the church is a place for it to you know we're in there square dancing or any other kind of that worldly dancing and so anyways you know he politely said no and and uh and it was okay so you know sometimes we don't change outwardly instantly and that's okay God takes that into account are you here and you can still be blessed, and you can still get your prayers answered, and you can still, all of these things. But as we grow older in the Lord, well, then, you know, it becomes a little different story. Because as you get older, you should be mature, and what some things that you got away with when you were younger, you may not necessarily be getting away with them now. Are you here? And so there is, so sanctification is a big part of that. And we're going to see that there, there are two, uh, I see it as, there's two parts of sanctification. There's the inward part and the outward part. And if you don't get a hold of the inward part, then it's going to be, you're going to be uh, walking in pride. You're going to be very arrogant. You're going you're gonna to be real snobbish with people, thinking you're better than them. Uh, because you, that's what religion does. Religion has all of these things, quali uh, all of these qualifications that they're demanded to live by. It may be the way they dress themselves. It may be you're, you're not to do this or you're to do this. Uh, all of these things. And really it's almost becomes a badge of honor that this is who we are. This is why, because we're sanctified. 
And like we look, then they look down on their, uh, uh, down at the end of their nose on other people, right? I don't know if you've ever been around people like that. And you can usually, you can usually spot them pretty quick when they're like that. Uh, and then you have the other group. You have the other group, you know, they don't necessarily try to live that way, but uh, to, try to, to try to live what they're living and try to do what they're doing, they see it nothing but a burden. And it is a burden. And, and it becomes, you know, and they look at, and they are looking at that group and they're thinking that, you know, they're the most snobbish people that they are. Uh, and they don't want to have nothing to do with them. But there's a middle of the road. There really is. There is a middle of the road. And it, and it really comes from getting a hold of truth. And until you get the light in that area, then, you know, it's going to be hard. And let me say this. A sinner or a person that's an unbeliever, and they could be real religious. I mean, they could be a churchgoer. They could, you know, do all outward things. But I'm telling you this. They cannot live a sanctified life. And I don't care what they do with charity. I don't care what they do with serving. I don't care how good that they may be, but it'll never, they'll never be able to live a sanctified life because a sanctified, a sanctified life begins in Jesus Christ. So that tells you something that is not all about the acts that we do. Okay? Because it, it does. It begins inwardly. And so religion has this connotation about it that, you know, that that's, we are righteous, uh, we are God's people because of what we do. Well, you ought to be able to see right through that, then that's works, right? Because that's not why we're God's people. That's not why we're righteous. Why are we righteous in God's people? Because we have accepted Jesus Christ. We accepted his righteousness and his goodness and his kindness. Amen. And that's what made us that way. <clears throat> we had, uh, growing up, I, I think it was this, I don't remember, 71 um, uh, Plymouth Duster. And it was baby blue. I mean, it was a really, a, it was a pretty car. And, um, and uh, I had uh, Krager mags on it. And then I had air shocks on it. So it's, you know, that back then we'd always jack them up in the back. But there was only one thing wrong with it. It had a six-cylinder in it. <laughs> it looked cool. But there was no, I had a guy, I had a guy pull up to me and, because, you know, we'd run on Wabash all the time. Because Wabash used to be the, the drag, if you all remember. And so I'd be going, I went down Wabash one time. I had a friend of mine with me. And a guy in a station wagon with his family pulled up next to me and started revving his engine. And that was the embar most embarrassing thing that ever happened because he beat me. <laughs> and here I was supposed to have this really souped-up car, but it, all it had in it was a little six-cylinder in it, and so it wouldn't do anything, but it looked cool. Well, that's what religion looks like, is. Religion is, it dresses itself up to no ends, but there ain't nothing inside. There just ain't nothing inside. Amen? And so, 
So that's, that's basically what we're saying. You know, you're, you're, people can try to live a sanctified life, and many times they're being told they must live a sanctified life, but they can't do it because you've got to be born again. That's the only way you can live sanctified because you can't, be sanct- you can't live sanctified until you are sanctified. You have to be sanctified. So see, that's the truth that we have to get across to us. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.1. Now remember what Paul just, he's, he addressed him. He said, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus to the saints of God, right? He just talked to them. And he commended them that they're God's holy people. Now, in 1 Corinthians 3.1, same group of people, same church, he, he begins, he says, Brethren, he says, I could not speak unto you as to spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. Go on. Verse 2. I have fed you with milk and have not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now you are able. So notice them being uh, being called carnal, not being a mature Christian, not growing yet. Notice how that affects them from not receiving some of the word of God yet, getting, getting light on it. Verse 3. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and division, are you not carnal and walk as, as men, or some will say mere men, or walk as the world? So notice, he's the, he talked to the sanctified ones in Christ Jesus, the saints of God, and then all of a sudden, he begins talking to them at their present condition. So, you know, which is right? Which is it? Are they the saints? Are they the saints? Are they the sanctified ones? Or are they the, are they the carnal ones? They're both right. Because this is talking about their present condition, but we were talking about what, what happened to them in Christ Jesus. So there are really what we would call two kinds of truth. There's one that's called a positional truth, which is they're the sanctified ones. They are the saints of God. And then there's another one called pertinent truth, which is the present condition, where they're at. And so you'll find that... Uh, Well, really, in all the writings and in all the epistles, Paul begins to always bring positional truth. He always starts off with positional truth. That's that's actually what I do. Uh, I've learned that by just listening to what he did. Because if you're trying to help restore someone, you're trying to help them get over something, the first thing you do, I always talk about who they are in Christ Jesus. I remind them that they're righteous. I remind them they're holy. I remind them they're sanctified. Uh, why? Because unless they're going to be working off of that truth, of that foundation, they're not going to be able to overcome, overcome the flesh. Okay? So he doesn't, he doesn't shy away with the way they're acting, but he does remind them first who they are. And um, 
we had, that was probably one of the biggest eye-openers to me because, you know, being just, getting just born again and excited about Jesus Christ and then getting to know some Christians. That was an eye-opener. Because at first you think all Christians just have angel's wings. And then, you know, like Brother Hagin used to say, finally they ended up, that wasn't an angel's wing, that was just their backbones, blade bones, <laughs> their shoulders. <laughs> well, you know, I can remember we had a, um, a church. We'd have, when we, they'd have church meetings, they'd have it open to the whole church, who remembers. And so they'd usually do it on a Sunday night. And so they had this one Sunday night, and, and so the, the church was full, and uh, they had a disagreement. One side wanted one thing, the other side wanted another thing, and they got into a shouting match. I mean, they just let, they left their Christianity at the door, and all of a sudden, you were beginning to see the true callers of a lot of people. Amen? And that was hard. I mean, that was, that was hard because you just thought, well, you know, everyone in here loves God. Everyone, you see everybody praising God. You see them, you know, uh, coming to church happy and everything. Then all of a sudden, it just seemed like you just, you know, blinders came off your eyes and you were really seeing who they were. Well, the truth of it was, they, I would say they, there may have been one or two and they were probably weren't born again, but they were probably all born again, but they were carnal. I mean, that showed their carnality right there. Division, strife, all of that uh, beginning to work right there. So were they saved? Yeah, they were saved. That's what the, uh, is Paul saying they're unsaved? No, he says they're carnal. Uh, the, one of the words for carnal is a meathead. They're acting like meatheads. And then he says they act like mere men. So there's no difference in their, in their presentation, their action, their walk with God than really someone in the world. And like we say, you know, sometimes people in the world you're seeing live a better life, a better moral life than you do someone that's a Christian. So, you, but you can't, you can't judge, you know, that person by the, what their action. How do we know that someone's a Christian? Because of their confession of Jesus Christ. So here we have... Paul addressing them again, and he's talking to them about being carnal. Amen. Being called carnal is not a compliment. All right? That is not a compliment. That's not a, you know, you're doing good. You're carnal, but you're doing good. No, you're not doing good. Not in that area. Amen. And he, that's what, and that's all he's saying. So anytime that you and I we're in a strife. Anytime, you know, we're envying and causing division or anything like that, then you just need to remember this is carnality. Amen. And you, you've seen one of the things that it affects is your ability to hear from heaven, to receive from God. You know, and um, that's, what, that's what he, John, First John addresses over there. He's talking to them about, you know, sin. He's talking to the Christians about sin. And he says, how is it that you can say you walk in fellowship with God, but you have sin? He said, he goes, you lie and do not, you don't know the truth. You don't know the truth about that. He didn't say they were unsaved. But he says, anytime that we get out of, out of fellowship, then we're in darkness. 
And you can try to convince yourself it's okay. And you can try to say that it doesn't matter. But he's just saying, you're, you're being deceived. It does matter. And this is what this is saying. He says, you guys are walking into a place of darkness you don't even realize. And because of that, that's going to affect your ability to walk with God. Amen. Because anytime we get into sin, anytime we get into darkness, then it's going to affect your walk with him because you're walking away from him. You're not walking with him. And it never produces anything good. It never produces good. And so, you know, we may think that, you know, you hear people all the time like, you know, oh, I've done this and nothing's ever changed. Well, I know that's good and you ought to be thanking God it hasn't. But I'm telling you, it doesn't produce good. There's something happened that the Bible says we yield to the flesh, it reaps corruption all the time. And God said, and when he said that, he said, I'll not be mocked. So you can just say it doesn't, but it does, okay? All right, so <clears throat> sanctification, sanctification is a separation. That's what sanctify means. It's a purifier, uh, it's really it has a lot to it has a lot of meaning of holiness to be made holy sanctified so we made the comment that for positional truth then you have to be sanctified in order for you to ever really walk in to sanctification because the bible talks about sanctification and it'll talk about sanctification in your walk with him or being sanctified Okay, and that is the work through uh, the work through Jesus Christ. So go to Philippians two twelve. Let's look at another verse. <clears throat> Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. So here we're talking about whatever he's, whatever he's saying, salvation's on the inside of us. Now it's up to us to get it on the outside. It's not up to God. God, God has positionally placed us and given it to us. Now for us to live in it, enjoy it, then we've got something to do. We're going to have to work it out or we're going to have to put it on on the outside. So it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some work on your part, recognizing what you possess, what you already own. That, and that's what you see here. He says, um, it might work out your own salvation. He didn't say work out, he didn't say work for your salvation. He says work out your own, something you possess. So again, we can't possess uh, salvation until we receive Jesus Christ, right? You can't. And so, but now you have to work it out. Well, sanctification is talking about a separation. I always like to say, you say, well, separation from what? Well, positional truth is separational from sin and separation unto him, to God. So we've been separated from sin, sin speaking of sin nature, not sins, sin nature. Where's the sin nature? The sin nature has been located and it's in our flesh. You didn't, you didn't lose the sin nature when you got born again. 
but you but it lost dominion over you because now you're now you're married to another you're married to Jesus Christ so now you're able to overcome it you're able it's not able to have power over you unless you allow it to okay because why because it doesn't have the dominion over you no more as soon as you got born again the bible says you're freed from it freed from what free from the dominion of it do you lose it? No, you don't lose it. You don't lose the lust and the, and the tendencies and, and the wrong desires and so forth. They're still there. Amen. And you have to understand something about the flesh. The flesh can swing two ways. The flesh can even swing to the good. And it can, and, and that's what's so, you know, hard to get sometimes because you see religious people doing real good things, working real hard. For God, working real hard for those things. But and again, if that's if they're not born again, what is it? All that is the work of the flesh. And that and and honestly, that's harder to get free from than a, a sinner who knows he's in sin. Because it's easy to get all puffed up in what you're doing, in your in your goodness. Are you here? And so sin, so the sin nature, you understand, it's just not always doing wrong and doing evil. But where is that sin nature? The Bible says it's in our flesh. But we got, we got free from it through the power of sanctification. Sanctification means or the separating or the purifier. It was the thing that purified us and made us holy. All right? Is that, are everybody Okay. Okay, now let's look at another verse. First, now, remember, Philippians says you're going to have to work it out. So that means you're going to have to work out your, your sanctification too. Not have to, you're not working to be sanctified. You are already sanctified. You're freed from sin. You're, you're uh, separated unto him now. Okay? Now, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30 It says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto you wisdom. He's made unto you righteousness. And notice this, he's made unto you sanctification and redemption. Now, I'd like to say it this way. He's made you, made you to be wisdom. He's made you to be righteous. He's made you to be sanctified. And he's made you to be redeemed. Made. Made. If he made us, then we had no part in that. Understand, you have, you, your hands were not involved in that at all. Amen. Now, see, this makes religious people just madder than a hatter. For you to stand up and talk about how you, that you're holy and that how you're righteous and how you're sanctified. I am sanctified. And they're saying, you ain't sanctified. Yes, I am sanctified. No, you ain't. You ain't doing what we're doing. You got makeup on. You can't be sanctified. Well, I mean, if we were going to go that route, then we re, you know, we'd require that you wear makeup. <laughs> to be sanctified <laughs> well they say every every old barn needs uh, painted once in a while 
No, you know, that's religion. You know, there used to be that could, you couldn't wear a bright tie or, you know, cut your hair or if, if you did cut your hair. You know, all of these things is trying to portray uh, that we are something without going and looking at the truth. So, sanctification is what God did in Christ. Already, he's already done that in you. It's completed. All right? So, before, I don't even care if, you know, just like those uh, uh, Corinthians, they were, even though Paul was telling them they're carnal, they could have piped up and said, no, I'm sanctified. Well, it depends on which way you're talking. And Paul, and really what they need to do, they need to pipe up and say, I'm sanctified. Well, if you are, then you shouldn't be acting this way. Okay? But you need, but they have, but you have to work off of truth in order for you to get the power of power of the, the Holy Spirit to work and help you in that area. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. <clears throat> know ye not that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now let me ask you before we go on there, um, have we, have Christians, or even maybe you have done, since you've been born again, been involved in any of that? Yeah, we, we see it all the time. We see Christians caught up in those things. We see them acting worldly, doing the things of the world. And, uh, and so, you know, where, where, what are we supposed to come away with? How are we supposed to treat them? How are you supposed to help them? Does it help, you know, reminding, you know, reminding them that there's no way you could be saved? If you were, you wouldn't do these things. Uh, is that going to help somebody get back to God? No. I like Galatians one of scripture. It says, they that are spiritual, go restore them back unto God. Lest it, lest it would come on you. Lest, you know, you'd be in the same boat. So it tells us only spiritual people can help people get restored. If you can't help them get restored, then that's just letting you know where you're at. Because if you're going to be an accuser of the brethren and just point your finger at them and tell them, you know, how bad they are and how evil and all this stuff they're doing, well, that's, that's condemnation, right? But a, a person, a Christian who understands, you know, sanctification, understands the, the, works, the workings of the flesh and everything, well, then he's going ha- to be able to go and help that person be restored. Amen. And so, here we have all of, the, all of these acts going on. Verse 11. And such were some of you. Now, the, the problem was, this stuff was going on in the church. 
That's why he was addressing it. This was happening at the Corinth church. All right, all that stuff that we just went through, the, you know, one of the, that effeminate, that, that talks about homosexuality. So all of this, this is not new. It was all going on. And so he was addressing it, and then he, now watch what he does. He said, such were some of you, but now you are washed. You are sanctified. Now, notice he's talking to the same people he was just addressing. He said, you've been washed by the blood. You are sanctified, and you are justified. That's, that's connected with righteousness in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, what, so he's telling them. He's just saying, let me tell you, you've been washed in the blood. You shouldn't be acting this way. You shouldn't be doing these things. You're sanctified. Well, they weren't acting sanctified. They weren't living that, that life right yet. But he tells them who they, who they are. Um, now, let's look at the, uh, you have the Amplified, Sharon, on that verse 11. And such some of you once were, but you were washed clean. Look at this, purified by complete atonement for sin and made free from the guilt of sin. And you were consecrated, set apart, hallowed. And you were justified, pronounced righteous by trusting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of our God. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. So, he, so what does he do? He immediately takes them back to positional truth. He, he reminds them who they are. You know, we need to be reminded sometimes who we are. Amen. Okay, now go over to Acts 26. Acts 26, verse 18. Now, just leave it in the Amplified. I'll be okay, Sharon, because we're going to jump to a couple other translations. It, verse 18 says, Paul said, my, he was talking about his commission, what he was called to do. And he said, I've been called to open the eyes, talking about the Gentiles, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Amen. That sounds like the ministry of reconciliation, doesn't it? Standing at, the, standing at the door, that's what we're doing. So that they may thus receive forgiveness and release them from their sins and a place and a portion among those who are consecrated. So sanctif sanctified means you're consecrated and purified. Consecrated and purified by faith in me. Say, I am consecrated and purified. Hallelujah. That's who you are. You're consecrated and purified. Now do the uh, Passion Translation. And you will open their eyes to their true condition so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. See how easy it is to get free from the devil? Just turn. We think that, you know, he's got a hold on people and they're in his clinches and they can't get free. All you got to do is get them to turn from him. Turn from him and turn to the power of God. 
Hallelujah. Amen. By placing, how they, how they, do they do that? By placing their faith in me, they will receive the total forgiveness of sins and be made holy. Be made holy over a period of time. Instantly. Instantly. Everyone say instantly. instantly. So are, are you holy tonight? Yes. If you're holy, consecrated, separated to him, are you worthy to receive what he's offered to you? To give to you? Absolutely. Is there anything that he would hold back from you? That was one of the things that he ministered to that lady all bowed over. He, that was the very thing that he came and reminded her that who she was and that she was a child of God. When he said that, you know, you are a daughter of Abraham, that's what he was saying to her. You're a child of God. You ought to be made whole. Ought to. Hallelujah. So he would say that tonight. You ought to be made whole. You ought to be healed. You ought to be made whole. Why? Because we are holy. We're separated unto him. Taking hold of the inheritance that I, have to, that I give to my children. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Take hold, he says. Take hold. Why? Because you're holy. You belong to him. Say, I belong to him. Now do the New Living Translation on that verse. <clears throat> to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be, be given a place among God's people. Woo, glory to God. Be given a place of, among God's people. What does that remind you of? Sainthood. Remember, he called them saints. What were saints? God's people. He says, you will be given a place among God's people. We're saints of God. Amen. Who are, who are set apart by faith. What's set apart? Sanctification. We're set apart in me or in Christ is what he's talking about. See, this is what already has taken place in us. We are sanctified by the work of Jesus Christ. Not by, a work of our, by works of our ability, but by his ability. He said, when we accepted him, then there was, there was a decisive separation that came into our lives and separated us from the power of, of Satan and brought us into the power of God. Now, look at uh, Colossians. Colossians 1.13. Let me give you this. Sanctification is a purifier to make holy, separate you from sin unto himself. So sanctification is a purifier. Purifier what? Purifier on the inward man. Just think about it a minute. How could a Holy Spirit live in an unholy vessel? Huh? How could he? How could the Holy Spirit live in you unless you're holy? 
He couldn't. It'd be impossible. One thing, you would just be disintegrating and be blowed up in dust. Nowhere to ever be seen or found. Because holiness and sin do not come together. They don't come together. Remember, they were, they, even in the, in the Old Testament, they were taking the, the um, Ark of the Covenant and taking it on a cart, I think it was, and the cart went into a hole and the, the Ark of the Covenant began to go off the cart and one of the, the uh, uh, Levites went over to steady it because he didn't want it to fall. And when he touched it, he fell dead. Because he, was, because he represented sin. He wasn't cleansed. He didn't go through all the purification and all of that. Well, that's the type of sin and the holiness. And so the Holy Spirit, this is really good, the Holy Spirit cannot live in you unless you be holy. That's just impossible. So why are we, why are we afraid to say that we're holy? Because you're more conscious of the outer man than you are the inward man. Amen. But he cannot live in an unholy temple. Oh, let me, there is a scripture. Let me see if I can find it real quick. It's in 1 John. And I think it'll, it, going along this um, vein, I think it'll make sense. Let me see if I can find it real quick. First John, I think it's 1 John 3, chapter 3. Let's see. If I can find it. Holy Ghost, help me. Yep, yep, yep. I found it. I found it. Hallelujah, I found it. 1 John 3, 8. Now, just, just thinking along with me for a moment. The Holy Spirit cannot live in an unholy vessel, right? So the, the inward man, the new creation, who you are, when you die, this inward man's going to jump out. And so he has to be holy because we're seeing scriptures that are uh, giving us light and calling us holy, calling us sanctified, calling us purified, right? And it has to be that he's talking about the inward man because the outward man doesn't qualify. Because we still have flaws, some more than others. <laughs> but we're not going to look at that. We're not judging, <laughs> right? Amen. Hallelujah. You may think Miss Kimberly's all, you know, <laughs> don't let her hear this tape <laughs> but she's holy <laughs> I don't care how she acts she's holy um, and so the Holy Spirit lives within the, the inward man and he is declared he is not just declared he's made holy and righteous alright now so in light of that, let's read this. Um, start in verse 7 in the King James. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even if he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. 
For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin. He is born of God. Who can't sin? Because we've ta- people have taken that and they said, well, you can't be born of God because you just sinned. Now, I'm not trying to give you a license to sin, all right? Like Brother Hagin said, you don't get, have to get a license. People are going to do it anyways. <laughs> but notice this. He says, he that is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. Where's the seed at? In your inward man. And he says he cannot sin. Who are we talking about? The inward man can't sin. The born again man can't sin. Because he's born of God. The inward man can't sin. I'll say it again. The inward man can't sin. Because if he did, then, the, then just logically, the Holy Spirit couldn't live within him. Because he would be then, he would be unholy. The inward man is complete in every fashion. Holy, righteous, sanctified, justified. There, I mean, he's in, he is after God's likeness. Are you here? Now he goes on and talks about that by fruit, the fruit of people you're going to be able to tell. But he's just talking about for the, for the man of God, he says you can't, and he's not talking about you can't commit sins. He's just saying you can't sin. The inward man can't sin. Now, the the outward man definitely can do sins and get out of fellowship with God. But he's not going in and out and in and out and in and out of fellowship, or not fellowship, but in and out and in and out of relationship with God. He's not being once once a time born again, another time he's not born again. Why? Well, because that means the Holy Spirit has to be moving in, moving out, moving in, moving out. He'd just be like a, you know, I don't know, a tenant. <laughs> moving, in, moving out all the time. He's not. He said he'd come to abide forever in us. Now, don't take it further. You, you know, I'm not saying you can't lose your salvation. You don't lose it. You willingly forfeit it. Okay? You just say, I don't want it no more. I don't want you no more. Without no temptation, just willfully. But as far as, you know, leaving everything, because um, you, you cussed or did something that, you know, later you regret and, and wish you hadn't done, uh, you're still holy. But you still have to get that cleansed and put under the blood. Amen. Okay, one more scripture. We're, well, this is just a, a freebie here. Ephesians. Ephesians 
5, I believe it is. Is that the one talking about uh, the glorious church? Anybody know? It is. Ephesians 5, and then, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, 20 verses. Yeah, let, let's just go through it real quickly, 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands, even in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Notice that, sanctified and cleanse. Sanctified and cleanse. So there really is, the sanctification comes, but then there's a cleansing that we need all the time. And it's the washing of the water by the word. Amen. Because we gotta, we got to get off the filth that we get from the world. Hallelujah. And so anyway, so he goes on. Um, uh, this is, let's see, verse 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spart or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. Now, <clears throat> I know that, I've heard, I've heard everyone talk about this and every side of it. So, But anyways, my personal belief is here that if you're not already the glorious church, you can't be. Because we're, how, many, how many know that most of the Christians are looking for the glorious church to, to come out one day? That we're getting close to the end time. And so before we're going to do the work, before we're going to see the miracles, before we're going to get out and do what we're supposed to do, we're going to, all of a sudden, we're going to miss, and you better hope you don't miss that service, that you're going to come here as a servant, and then we're going to all be changed, radiant, and we're going to be the glorious church. Well, how are we going to inspect that? Tell me. How are we, how are we what's going to be the, the, uh, list that we're going to do the qualifications to all of a sudden determine whether Mark's glorious or not. Huh? What, you know, are we going to let, let Sherry be the one who inspects Mark? And then he'll, she'll come out and say, yep, he made it. Or, nope, not yet. <laughs> what, what's going to be the inspection? Is it going to be a church, uh, you know, creed that we're going to have to fulfill? Or is it going to be, you know, or is it going to be a denomination? Or what, what's going to qualify us as being the, the glorious church, honestly? Because I'm hearing people even talk about that if you're not, the, if you're not yet the, uh, in the glorious church, you may be born again, but if you're not quite in the glorious church, you may miss the first rapture. So, you know, that kind of fear puts on the person to, okay, I need to work harder. I need to keep this going. Well, then really, they're, then they're not resting in, the, resting in faith of what Christ did. Right? Because all of a sudden, we're losing sight of what all Jesus Christ did. 
Because now it's inner, now we're coming into a works program. You know, you can't miss church, can't do you shouldn't miss church anyways. And you can't do this, and you can't do that, and I gotta do this, I gotta add this on my plate now, blah, 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 you know. And then, praise the Lord, I'm gonna be the glorious church. Well, he tells us right there, <clears throat> he says that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot. Or wrinkle, I think that's where we get the wrinkle at in our faith is because we think we're going to look and we, we can't have no wrinkles, we can't have no spots. Or anything. Well, the only way that I know that you cannot have any wrinkles or spots is when, we're looking, when you're looking at my inward man. Because he ain't got no spots or wrinkles. Amen? He doesn't. <clears throat> And he goes on and says, a such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. How are you, gonna, how are you going to attain that? How are you, you going to attain more holiness? You can't. You can't be any more holy than what Christ made you. Right? And there's, there's just absolutely no way that you can be without blemish because the flesh is blemished. You can go out and do good works, be in a good service, and go outside and your tire be flat and lose your whole salvation. <laughs> and, just lost your, and just lost it all. And have to start all over again to get back into the glorious church. <laughs> Be received, right? Yeah, absolutely right. You can, you can, you can just all live all the way up to almost a perfect thing, and then all of a sudden, just one act just totally does it away. All right, look at this one other scripture. I know it. I know it. One more. Everybody say one more. All right, look at this one. I think this will help. Colossians 1, 20, I think it's 20. Colossians 1, 20. Yep, Colossians 1, 20. And I think it goes to 23. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, thank God for reconciliation, by him, I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in the heaven, verse 21, and you that were sometime alienated and the enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled, 22, in the body of his flesh through death, look at this, to present you holy, unblameable, and I'm very provable in his sight. So he says, through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, he now presents you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Why well, does it sound like to me the glorious church? Amen? That sounds like to me that you and I made sainthood. Hallelujah. And we are holy. And we are righteous. Glory to God. We are separated. Right now. 
we're sanctified. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. He made you, he presents you now holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. So this is what Paul's doing all the time. He keeps bringing them back, reminding them, this is who you are, this is what God did in you, that you're God's people, you're unblameable, you're unreprovable now, you're holy, and so now you're able to act like it. You're able to live this sort of a life. Amen? Praise God in the power of his spirit. Glory to God. So you can see right now that the emphasis on getting people over to walking and living a sanctified life is not presenting to them what they need to do outwardly, but showing them who they are inwardly. I mean, you know, you, you teach a little boy that they're a little boy. And they, you show them what little boys are supposed to, to do and how they're supposed to act. And then you raise them up to be, you know, a big boy. Amen. But you keep telling them, no, this is what a boy does. Amen. Girls do this. Boys do this. And you keep reemphasizing who they are. So it don't really matter if they come out and say, I'm a girl or a cat or this. It don't matter. It don't change anything. They're still their gender. They're still a boy. Are you here? Don't get caught up in all the, you know, all this other fluffy stuff that there's going on. It doesn't matter what you think or believe. It don't change it. And it doesn't really matter what you believe about this. The word is pretty settled on who we are in Christ Jesus. And you got to keep going back to this. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you get that settled in you, you get that working in you, I guarantee you your whole walk will be different. And you'll be able to walk free from the power of the sin, power of the flesh, and the power of this world. Amen.